Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. God's house. I want to welcome everyone. It's good to see you. Also want to take a moment to look into the camera and say a big hello to all those watching us online, along with all the men and women in our correctional ministry. Man, we just love having you guys a part of our church family. So come on, Defiance. Help me say hello to our church family today. Come on, let them know. It's awesome. Well, well, today we are in week number three of this series that we've been doing called Too Good to Not believe that that we serve a God that we we worship a God and we're gathered here together today to declare that man he's just too good to not believe and how many of us know we don't just say it we've not just read it we don't just sing it but we've we've seen it firsthand we've experienced it for ourselves and as a result man we just know in our hearts that God is too good to not believe but yet, at the same time, I think, uh, if we're really honest, that we can face this, this tension because we live in a world where a lot of things can be too good to be true, right? That, that discount, that, that sale, that, that timeshare that we bought into, that we get to stay at one week out of the year, every four years, and every time we do, it's either snowing or raining, and turns out it just, it was too good to be True, right? That new restaurant that's opening up that everybody's talking about that we went and turns out it was overpriced and underwhelming and that movie that people told us we had to go see turned out to be just okay and that financial investment that we made to strike it rich and invest in that cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and Ethereum turns out as of right now, it was too good to be True, right? And so what we're doing in, in this series is we're studying stories in Scripture of, of healings, of miracles, of times when God showed up in, in a powerful way to, to remind some and reveal to others that our God is too good to not believe, I want to study a, a powerful story in uh, this miracle that takes place in Luke chapter 5 today of when Jesus heals a man who was paralyzed. Now, this, this miracle story is actually found in three out of the four Gospels. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is the only Gospel writers, writer that chooses to, to leave this story out. And, and just so that we're all on the same page, the the Gospels are, are four different eyewitness accounts from people who were with Jesus, who, who followed Jesus, and they write about the different teachings that, that Jesus uh, told people and, and how people's lives were changed um, by just being in God's presence, in Jesus' presence. And three out of the four Gospel accounts actually uh, include this story in them, and just to give us a little context as to what's happening in this story, um, Jesus is in a town called Capernaum, and he, there he is teaching people uh, about the kingdom of heaven. He's, he's performing signs, miracles, and wonders, and man, people are getting healed. God is moving in a powerful way, and Jesus' popularity is, 
is growing. And, and in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is hanging out with, with Peter. He's hanging out over at Peter's house. And, and the Bible tells us that people catch wind of it and they come and they pack the house out. They are throwing a party they didn't realize they were even throwing. And next thing you know, it is out of control. People are packing into this house. There's so many people, people couldn't even get in. And so they're standing outside the home. And, and the Bible tells us that uh, these four, four friends, these four guys show up carrying one of their friends who was paralyzed, trying to get him to Jesus so that he could be healed. We'll pick up the story. We'll first read it in its entirety, and then we'll kind of unpack it together and see what God can, can speak to us. But it's found in Luke chapter 5. Let's start off in verse 17. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and, and Judea, and, as well as uh, from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat came. And, and, and the gospel, um, in Matthew's gospel, he tells us that it was actually four men who were carrying this, this man. And it goes on to say that they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. And so they went up to the roof and, and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does this guy think that he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, and so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. That might be a word for some of us today. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Notice, though, that Jesus doesn't even address this man's physical condition until the religious leaders questioned him. In fact, the physical healing was, was almost an afterthought, and the only reason he did it was to prove that he had the power and the authority to forgive sins. And I think one of the reasons that's the case is, is that Jesus comes to heal our spiritual condition before he's worried about our physical condition. Like the physical healing was just this afterthought, just, just to prove to the religious leaders he, he was who he said that he was, and he can do what he said that he can do, but... Before God changes what's happening to us, maybe physically, I think he wants to address some things that are happening to us and in us spiritually. I think this is a good reminder that what we want from God may not be what we actually need from him. What maybe we're asking God to do, what we're praying for, it might actually, it might be what we want God to do, but it might not be what we need him to do in our lives. We might be praying for him to restore our marriage. And don't get me wrong, God, God wants to restore marriages, but, but what if he restores the marriage and the heart, God's still not the center of the marriage? What if, he, what if you're praying for God to heal you from that addiction and he delivers you from that addiction, but yet you, your heart's still far from him, right? He cares about more about our spiritual condition than he does our physical condition. It goes on in verse 25, say, and immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. 
Man, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they, they, along with the man, they started praising God too, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. In other words, they said, he's just too good to not believe. The Bible tells us that this man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. He went into the house paralyzed, and he walked out on his own two feet which reminds us that we cannot have a real encounter with Jesus and walk away the same. It's also interesting that this is the only account in the entire Bible where the forgiveness of sins and physical healing are combined and connected in the same story. Here we see in this story this this man who was paralyzed who had four friends who carried him to Jesus. Now, now we never learned the, the four friends' names, but how many of us know they're famous? And I love the, the fact that these friends are famous, but they're, but they're never named. They're famous for what they did, not who they are. Their names weren't famous, but their character was. Let the same be said for all of us. And I think we need to understand that this, this would not have been an easy task, these four friends getting their paralyzed buddy to Jesus it was very typical and traditional back in that time for homes in Israel to be two-story. So when they got to the home and tried to get their friend to Jesus and not being able to get in, they would have had to carry him to the roof, maybe, maybe walking up some stairs or, or whatever it is to get to the roof. That would have been a challenge alone. But then once they got there, the roof would have been made of mud, sticks, straw, and tiles. Now think about it. When they grabbed their buddy, they probably didn't think to themselves, hey, make sure you grab some tools, get a shovel, like let's get, we're going to have to tear this roof apart, tear this roof, roof open. They probably didn't weren't thinking that. It wasn't until they got to the home that they started troubleshooting, how do we get our friend to Jesus? And so they're probably on the roof facing this mud, sticks, tile, straw, no tools, and they're probably more than likely digging into it, maybe cutting their hands. It would have taken some work. And they're not just putting a little hole, right? They're making a big hole because their friend is on a mat. He's paralyzed. And so there's a lot of work that is, is going in for, in order for this miracle to happen. I just couldn't help but think, sometimes we have to wait for the miracle. And sometimes God calls us to work for the miracle. And as we study this story together, I think it's, I think it's neat to see the different characters uh, in this story and the different parts that they played in this miracle. I mean, there's obviously the, the main character and there's the supporting cast. But as we study the story, I think we're reminded of how important our relationships are. That life change happens in the context of relationships, which is why we're so big on doing life together in community here at Experience Church. How many of us know that church isn't a place that we meet, it's a family that we belong to? Church is so much more than just attending a service once a week, singing some songs, hearing an amazing message, and then going on our way, right? It's so much more than that. It's about community. It's about fellowship. As we come together, something powerful happens when we all worship God and King Jesus together, when we are experiencing his presence together. We're doing life together. That's another reason why we made the lobby so big, because we want everybody to hang out. Come on, let's get some coffee, let's get in the chair, let's just hang out, and let's do life together. 
right? That's, that's why we, we talk about jumping in a small group so we can get into a place where we take off the mask and say, hey, man, here's what's really going on in my life. Here, here's where I'm really at. Let, let's get to know each other on a deeper level. So we talk about going through Connect Track and jumping on the dream team and serving together that we can build relationships with people who have similar passions and, and giftings. We have some things in common with one another and then we can make a difference and help other people out. And all of a sudden when we're doing these things, we, sh we show up on Sunday and we go, hey, there's that so-and-so from my small group. Or there's so-and-so I'm serving with, and I'm building these friendships. I'm building these relationships. And then here, here's the kicker. Here is the, the, the ultimate goal. This is the goal. Of we're trying to hit 61 home runs if you're Aaron Judge. We're trying to hit 62 home runs this year. Break the record. This is the goal. And that is that we would actually maybe do things outside of a church event together. <gasps> right? That we would actually build these friendships and relationships where maybe we're going to get coffee with one another and we're just hanging out. Maybe we're, we're, we're going out to eat together. We're just hanging. Why? Because we're a part of a family. We're a part of a community. We're, we're a part of a group of people that are going in the same direction. I mean, this is the church. Because the truth is you can go fast on your own, but you can't go far on your own. Right? We'll never be able to, to get where God's calling us to go by ourselves. That we're better together. We need each other. You make me better and I make you better, right? We need each other and we all need friends who will do whatever it takes to get us to Jesus. We're talking more about them here in just a, a moment. But I kind of want to present this story today as, as kind of like a math equation. Any mathematicians in the room? Any CFOs, accountants? I, was, I love math. I went through pre-algebra pre-algebra seven times and it was incredible you know you have to love math when you just keep taking the same class over and over and so I'm not good at it but I love it and so I kind of want to present this uh this the story this miracle as a math equation because how many of us know sometimes in life life can be a, an equation life can be a problem and and there's the there's the answer then there's some different variables that that we need some things that we need to add to our lives some things that we need to subtract from our lives and some things we need to multiply. I think that one of the things I love about this story is I think it's a great picture of life. I also think it's a great picture of the church too. And so let's, let's start with the end in mind. Let's start with the answer. Let's start with the solution. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. And that is simply this. Jesus is the answer. In this story, in this miracle, in our lives, that our God is too good to not believe. Jesus is the answer. Now, you might say, for what? Everything. In every season, in every situation, in every circumstance, Jesus is the answer. In our relationships, Jesus is the answer Right? In our finances, Jesus is the answer. In our depression, in our discouragement, Jesus is the answer. In, in our addiction, in our struggles, in our dreams, and where we Jesus is the answer. Can we just settle this once and for all? Jesus is the answer. Because if you're anything like me, even though I know this to be true, this Sunday school answer, I can answer it anytime, I still can find myself going other places. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Anybody else looking to other, looking to other wells to try and fill a need that only Jesus can? Kind of reminds me of my youngest son, B-Rax, who's six. Um, 
He keeps putting our dog, Sammy, Samson, come on, somebody, in a chokehold. Now, I just want you to know, Sammy is one of the best dogs, and, and I've never heard him growl at anybody but Brax when he's in a chokehold, right? For whatever reason, the dog doesn't want to be in a chokehold and put to sleep. I don't understand what's going on, but he didn't like it. So we have told B-Rax 5,000, million times. Is that a real number? I'm not good at math. I don't know. Wasn't in pre-algebra. We've told him over and over, don't, dude, don't, you come to love him. He, he wants to pet him. I love you so much, Sam, man. And he growls at him. I'm like, B, don't, he doesn't like it, bro. He doesn't like, stop doing it. Last night again, I had to get on to him last night because he came dive bombing Sammy. And Sammy's just a little mini labradoodle. He's not very big. And he dive bombs him and puts him in the head like, hey, buddy, I love you. And I'm like, dude, he, I've never heard him do, he's about to bite you and he doesn't bite anybody, right? Well, the same kind of thing. Why do we keep doing that? Why do we keep going to places that will never satisfy? Why do we keep chasing mirages only to get up to it and go, oh, wait a minute, it's a mirage again, right? <laughs> Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the foundation for everything. Jesus is the answer. And this man who is paralyzed has to, he's having to depend on everyone else his entire life. And then in a moment, he realizes the only person he needs to depend on is Jesus. That Jesus did in one moment what no one else could do his entire life. Jesus forgave him and he healed him spiritually. And then he changed the way he walked and lived. And Jesus is the answer. But then at the same time, none of this would have been possible without the four friends. They aren't the main character of the story, but if we're giving out Oscars today, they would win Best Supporting Actors. They play a big part in this miracle, in this story, because without the right people around him who were willing to, to carry him to Jesus, willing to tear a hole in a roof and lower him down, man, the man would have stayed paralyzed and right where he was. Notice in the story that the Bible tells us that Jesus saw their faith, not the paralyzed man's faith, the faith of the four friends. That's what Jesus recognized, and then he healed this man first of his sin, then of his paralysis. It was the faith of the four friends. So I just want to say this to us today as we kind of get into it, that we need to add some things to our lives. And so if you're taking notes today, number one, we need to add friends who support us. Add friends who support you. This doesn't mean that we're always going to agree. This doesn't mean that we're always going to tell each other what we want to hear, but that we would have some friends in our lives who would have the courage to tell us what we need to hear. We need friends around us who support us and the journey that God has us on. And that means there are some different uh, relationships and friendships that we so desperately need to pursue and have in our lives. And so since there were four friends, let me give us four kinds of friendships that we all need. If you're taking notes, the first kind of friendship is friends who support us spiritually. We all need people in our lives who support us spiritually. For example, do we have people in our lives who pray for us? I mean, like, really pray for us. It's not like, hey, man, praying for you, bro. I'm talking about interceding for us, interceding for our family, interceding for our kids, interceding for our marriage, interceding for our souls. Do, do we have people who engage in spiritual warfare driving back the enemy for our life? 
We have people who support us spiritually. You know, this past week, me and, me and my wife Justina are just in a season where we're kind of just um, trying to figure out how to parent our kids' hearts. Any other parents uh, had a kind of a long week besides us? And, and we're trying to not just go for behavior modification, but how do we parent our, our kids' hearts? And, and we have three kids, and each kid's got a different personality. And what worked with our oldest just to let you in on it, isn't working with our youngest. He's a completely different guy, and he's more like me, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> I just told him last night, I'm like, sorry, buddy, you're done. It's over. I don't know, you know, but uh, well, we're just trying to, to figure it out as parents. How do we parent the heart? How do we speak to that character? Because I, I see the greatness in you. You're so, I see how special you are, but how do, I, how do I parent that in you and pull that out of you and and so we just were sharing with some of our spiritual parents this past week, some, some intercessors that are close to us, just the struggle and some of the, the challenges we're facing as parents. And, and then kind of just out of the blue, not randomly because we told them about it, but this past week, just um, we got a text message in the morning. Hey, just wanted you to know, I spent all morning praying for your kids, praying for your family. Here's a scripture that I'm declaring over your child's life. You know how much that meant to me? Yeah, I mean, that's the church. That's the, we're doing life together, and I know that they're not just, hey, God, be with the, the Brownleys today. No, they're on their face crying out for, for the, the condition of my kid's soul and help them today and be with them, God, and speak to them. And that's the church. We need friends who support us spiritually. Do we, do we have people in our lives who, who point us to Jesus? Do we, have, do we have people in our lives who are willing to stop what they're doing and carry us to Jesus? Because if we don't, we need to get some. We need friends who support us spiritually, who push us to Jesus, who help us become more like him. Another friendship that we need to be intentionally about pursuing is the second one is if we need friends who support us practically. This is super important. Like, we all need friends who, when we ask for help, they're there. Like, for example, when we're moving and we have to move that couch with the hideaway bed in it, come on, that weighs 500 pounds, that couch. We need friends who, how many know in that moment you get to see who your true friends are? Who's going to show up? Heck, can you help me carry this 500-pound couch up? And by the way, I'm moving into an apartment on the third floor. Can you help me? All right, you get to know where your true friends are at. But we need, we need, we need friends that will help us practically. Like they'll make us a meal from time to time. Or, or if they can't cook, because we all have those friends who can't cook, they'll give us a gift card. Come on, any gift card friends out there? Like actually, I don't want you to cook for us, but if you want to give us a gift card, then we'll receive it. We need, we need friends who will watch our kids for free. Come on, somebody. Like, they're not going to charge us anything. Like, we'd love your kids. We'd love to have them over. You guys go out on date night. We, we need some friends who are supporting us just practically. And another relationship that we need to invest in or pursue, I should say, is, is we need friends who support us emotionally. These are friends who, who ask us, man, how are you doing? And then they listen for our response. Like we need friends that we can blow off some steam to and they don't take everything we say at face value. Like, man, I want to kill him. I'm not actually going to do it. I just feel like it right now, right? I need a friend that's a safe place. I can vent a little bit. I can just, right? I'm not dumping. I'm not spewing, but I'm just, I'm going through some stuff. I need some friends that are going to support me emotionally. F friends who ask us, how are you doing? No, no, no. How are you really doing? I can see it on your face. You seem a little quiet. I don't know, I need friends that recognize when I'm a little quiet. 
You seem distant. Your countenance seems low. How are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? And then we have, have to allow friends to get close enough to us so they can support us emotionally. We have to, we have to be willing to, to let them in and surround ourselves with people who are for us. And then finally, the fourth kind of friend I would encourage us to pursue is we need friends who support us in spite of us. Even on our worst days, when we're not at our best, they're not going anywhere. You see, what's, what's awesome about the story, it's powerful, is this paralyzed man had, had four friends. And honestly, the paralyzed man, he didn't have a lot to offer his four buddies. He wasn't making them food. He wasn't serving them. He, he needed them, you could argue, more than they needed him, right? And, 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 but what's interesting is that scholars believe that this man's paralysis was actually self-inflicted as a result of sin. In other words, he had four friends who knew that it was his own fault that he was in the situation that he was in. And yet they supported him anyways. And yet they stood beside him anyways. They didn't say, man, I told you that was going to happen. Or you made those decisions. This is your own fault. You only have yourself to blame. Have you ever made a mistake and found yourself in a tough situation and you needed someone to remind you how you got there? Has that helped any of us out? Like, you know, I know how I got here. Like, I, I, I know better than you. I don't need to, you to tell me all the things, that ways I messed up and all the ways I'm, I'm getting it wrong. I don't, I don't need people to remind me of that. I need people to remind me that God still believes in me, that God still has a plan for me, and I don't have to stay where I'm at. We need friends who support us in spite of us. And so whatever our paralysis is today, whether it's physical or emotional or relational or spiritual. We need people around us who are willing to carry us to Jesus. We need friends who say, I'm here no matter what, and I'm not going anywhere. In fact, I'm not only not going anywhere, I'm not going to let you stay there. Friends who point us to Jesus, who carry us to Jesus, even grab us by the collar and drag us to Jesus. Come on, I need some friends like that in my life. And, and so uh, those are the friends that we need, but then there's a the flip side of the coin because I, you might ask or might say, you know, I don't have anybody like that in my life or I only have a couple of those. How, how do I get all, all kinds of those friends? I, I'm gonna make the, the argument that, that you might be able to find some of those friendships outside the church, but you won't be able to find all of those friendships outside the church. You can only find all four of those in the church. But if you would say, man, I don't have all those, I want those, I would encourage you to do two things. One, we need to be intentional, that we need to pursue those types of friendships. That's why we make church a priority. We're getting in small groups. We're serving together. We're building those types of relationships. And, the second, and then I would say, pray about it too. God, bring those types of relationships and friendships into my life. But the second thing I would highly encourage all of us to do that's equally as important is if we want those kinds of friends, how many of us know we got to be those kind of friends? If it's only a one-sided street, if I want everybody else to pray for me, but I'm not willing to pray for anybody else, I mean, I'm not going to attract those friends. If I want I to vent to everybody else, but I don't want anybody to vent to me, come on, somebody. I got to be that kind of friend, and I'll attract that kind of friend. But back to the story. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 and verse 21. 
There's one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. And it seemed that these men, man, they showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And then verse 21 says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, man, who does this guy think he is? That's blasphemy. Now, sometimes if we read scripture, we can just read past that word blasphemy. But we need to understand that blasphemy was, was punishable by death. Like that, that was the punishment. If you blasphemed against God in Jewish law, you were to be put to death. So these, this, is a, this is a pretty, pretty huge accusation that these guys are throwing out about Jesus. Right? We need to understand the, the magnitude of what they're saying. They're, say, they're, they're saying we got to shut this guy up. We're against what he's saying. He needs to be put to death. And they go on and say only God can forgive sins. And so there, there are some people that we need to add to our lives, but also there are some people we need to subtract. And so if you're taking notes, number two, we need to subtract people who are trying to divide, distract, or destroy. The Bible says they came from all over and I don't know about you, but what I've discovered is that people love drama. Anybody? And sometimes if they don't have it, they'll create it. I mean, this is an incredible thing that's happening in this story. I mean, people are getting healed. Jesus is teaching. I mean, heaven is invading earth. And you would think everybody would be excited and amazed. But then there were some religious people who didn't like it. It wasn't going the way they thought it should go. It wasn't happening the way they thought it should happen. And all of a sudden, they, they start coming against it. It didn't line up with their preferences. And so they come against it. it it's interesting. They, they studied and prayed their entire life for this very moment, and yet they missed it. Like, like how can you be so close to Jesus physically and yet be so far away from him in your heart the truth is it happens every Sunday people come to church and we're in God's presence and we're worshiping and we're opening up scripture and we are so close to Jesus physically but yet our hearts are they're a mile away from him and here you see the, the Pharisees coming against Jesus. I mean, the Bible tells us that God's presence was, was strong. God's power was strong with Jesus. This man just got healed. You would have think this man who had paralyzed, getting healed right in front of everybody, would have made everybody excited, but, but not them. I started thinking, like, why wouldn't they celebrate this? I just had the thought, like, one of the reasons, maybe my opinion, the Bible doesn't tell us that, they had a hard time celebrating and they were actually coming against it is because it didn't involve them. I mean, they were in, they were in leadership. They, <laughs> what do you mean? Why isn't this happening through us? You know, you, know, you get to see where you're, you're really, your heart is at when God chooses to do something powerful but not use you. Do you still celebrate it? Do, do we still celebrate what God's doing, not what you don't get to be a part of? Come on, somebody. I thought I should be a part of that. I should still be in leader. I should do this. I should do that. It's not about you. It wasn't about them. And when it didn't involve them, they've been studying the whole life, and they walk around with their tassels, and they're, everybody knew they're the religious teachers and the Pharisees, and they're above. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. What do we do? Because here, here they show up, and the Bible says they came from everywhere, not to help, not to serve, not, not to celebrate, not to pray, not to worship, but just to watch and criticize what they didn't understand. 
The truth is the critic and the cynic will always do more watching than working. And the Bible says, man, they're sitting nearby. They got in their little group and they gossiped amongst themselves. The question is, what do our friendships look like? What do our conversations consist of? Are they life-giving? Are they, are they breathing life into others? Are they positive? Or we sit around and we talk about what other people aren't doing or about what other people are doing that they shouldn't be doing. I'm just going to say we need to separate ourselves from people who aren't helping us get closer to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've got too much to work on in my own life to worry about what other people have going on in theirs. Truth is, man, I got a, I got a Bible and a, and a mirror, and I know I'm nowhere near where I want to be. And so I don't have time to worry about where everyone else is or, or isn't. I, I got a I got enough work to do right here, right? I'm just trying to keep my kid obeying, right? You know, I'm just trying to, trying to be the parent God wants me to be and the spouse, right? I got enough work to do, but speaking of our own hearts, remember the first thing that Jesus did with the, the man who was paralyzed, it wasn't to heal him physically, but spiritually. Jesus forgave him of his sins. He healed him spiritually before he healed him physically. And I think some of us will continue to wait for our healing We'll continue to wait for our miracle. We'll continue to wait for our breakthrough until we settle what's going on on the inside of us. Jesus forgave the man of his sin. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, and that is this. Forgiveness is the greatest miracle because it came with the highest price tag. I mean, Jesus gave up his life so that we could be forgiven so that we could be set free. Salvation is the greatest miracle of all time. That he could touch the inside of who I am, that he could set me free on the inside, that I could have a, a love and a purpose and a meaning on the inside of who I am. He, he didn't just give me a life on the outside, he gave me a life on the inside. Man, salvation is the greatest miracle of all time and forgiveness often comes before breakthrough. And how many of us know not only do we receive forgiveness, but we also need to give it too? Maybe, just, just maybe, I wrote this down. The thing that needs to happen before the breakthrough can is for us to forgive. To forgive that person that we're offended at. To forgive that person we have bitterness towards. To forgive that person for the resentment that we still hold in our hearts. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I'm up in the game and saying to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So how do, what's the step to forgiveness? I start praying for the people I'm offended at. I start praying blessing over the people who did me dirty. Come on, somebody. Now, this isn't an easy thing to do, but this is a life-changing thing that we can start doing. If we can have the courage and the faith to trust God and, and do things his way, how I many know there's a peace that follows? There's a freedom that follows this. Now, am I saying that we need to subtract some people from our lives? Absolutely. To stop loving them and praying for them? No. What we're talking about is having some healthy boundaries in our lives, and so... 
There's some friendships that we need to add. We need to ask some people to, that are going to support us. We need to subtract some people who are dividing and distracting and even destroying what God wants to do in our lives. And then finally today, number three, we, we need to multiply our influence by moving from the crowd to our calling. Let's move from the crowd to our calling. Here's what I mean by this. The Bible tells us that the house was full. It was, it was packed. People couldn't get inside of the house. They couldn't get to Jesus because there were so many people. And here you see these, these four guys who have this friend who's in need. They're carrying him, but, but Jesus, and Jesus is right in the house. He's right there. Just got to get right. He's right. He's, on the, he's right there. And yet we, they couldn't get to him. The people had gathered in such a way that the people who were in need couldn't get to Jesus. I want to close today with the, the idea of receiving over consuming. Because if we get stuck as followers of Jesus just consuming what God is doing for us, we run the risk of getting in the way of what he wants to do for somebody else. And what this means is we can't just watch. We also need to work. Like, like I just had the thought, like, what if someone saw these four friends carrying their the friend who was paralyzed, and they started to make room for him. They started to open up a hole. Like, what if we could go from making it all about us to, to also making it about others, too? Like, like don't get me wrong. We, we all want to receive all that God has for us. But, but freely we receive, and freely we, we give. Like, like, what if there was somebody opening the door for these guys? Or, but yeah, what, what if there was someone out in the parking lot parking the camels as they pulled up? Come on, somebody. And as they're walking up to the house, it might have started with four guys, but as they recognized, what if, what if it went to six guys or eight guys? Come on, I got you. I got you. Come on, let's get up here. Hey, make a way. Make a hole. Got a guy in need. Come on, make some room. Make some room. What, what if that was the response? Instead of figure out your own way. And what if other people started jumping in? Like, in other words, the thought is, what can we do to make a way for people to get to Jesus? And I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what your next step is. I don't know what seasons. We're all in different seasons and places in our journey with God. But it could be going through a connect track, jumping on the team, getting into a small group, building relate, whatever it is, being a part of family and community. But the goal, the goal of the church is, is to get closer to Jesus, become more like Jesus, and then help others do the same. That is, that's the goal. And we do that in community. And we do that in relationships. And we do that together. And so there's some, there's some things that we need to add to our lives, some friendships we need to pursue. And we need to become those friends too. There's some people we need to subtract from our lives too. It's not against them, it's not personal, but they're bringing division, they're bringing distraction, and they're actually, whether they're meaning to or not, they're destroying us from getting where God wants us to go. They're destroying God's plan for our lives, and I gotta make a hard decision to have healthy boundaries. But then we need to multiply our influence, right, by moving from the crowd to our calling. But at the end of the day, come on, how many know the answer is and always will be Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is the answer.
He is the solution to the problem of life. Amen. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you in this place. We thank you for the power of your word, the power of your spirit, God. Thank you for your love that never fails. And right now, we just position and posture our hearts before heaven and we respond to the truth of your word. In fact, right where you're at, would you just pray this in your heart? Say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? We pray this because we don't want to just be hearers of God's word. We want to be doers of God's word. How do you want me to respond? I don't want this to be just another message that goes in one ear and out the other. I know when I can have the faith to apply the truth of your word to my life, miracles happen. Life is found. Purpose is restored. Healing happens. Because he's just too good to not believe. And so maybe you're here today and you find yourself in one of those three categories. Maybe there's some friendships you need to add. You need some friends who support you spiritually, emotionally, practically, in spite of you. Maybe you need to be that friend to somebody else. Maybe, maybe there's some friends that you need to separate yourself from. and Some relationships you need to subtract yourself away from and have healthy boundaries. Or maybe, maybe you've been on the sidelines and it's time God's calling you into the game. To move from the, the crowd to your calling. I want to give you an opportunity just to respond. I want to pray for you. I think I would give you courage and direction. So if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just lift your hand to heaven? Maybe you're in one of those three categories. Some friends you need, some boundaries you need to to make, and there's a call to action that you need to embrace. Father, you see the hands in this place, God. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your courage in order to, to step out and do what we know you are calling us to do and to be who you're calling us to be. And God, I just pray that you would go before us, that you would direct our steps in our friendships, in our relationships, in our calling. God, you are the answer. And I just pray that you would just give us the wisdom and the clarity. And we just want to say yes to you. So I pray a blessing over over everyone, every hand that went up, God, that you would just be with us in what you're calling us to do. And God, you would give us the courage to be doers of your word, not just hearers. As we continue praying together today, maybe, maybe you can relate to the Pharisees who physically were close to Jesus, but their hearts were far from him. I'm giving you an opportunity to make this decision. God, here's my heart, what you've always wanted. I want to have a relationship with you. So right where you're at, if that's the decision you need to make, it just starts with a prayer. starts with, here's my heart, God. So if that's you, would you lift your hand to heaven? Here's my heart, God. Physically, I might be close to you, but spiritually, my heart's far from you, and I want, it, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your, your love that never fails. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Here's my heart. Here's my life. God, change me. Restore me. Redeem me. Renew me. My life is yours. In Jesus' name.
And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. So good.
Thanks for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.